Connected. Here comes some lullaby music to put you back to sleep. Probably not. Oh, for a voice like thunder and a tongue to drown the throat of war. When the senses are shaken and the soul is driven to madness, who can stand? When the souls of the oppressed fight in the troubled air that rages, who can stand? When the whirlwind of fury comes from the throne of God and the frowns of his countenance drive the nations together, who can stand? When sin claps his broad wings over the battle and sails rejoicing in a flood of death, when souls are torn to everlasting fire and fiends of hell rejoice upon the strain, oh, who can stand? Oh, who hath caused this? Oh, who can answer at the throne of God? The kings and the nobles of the land have done it. Hear it not, heaven, thy ministers have done it. Yes, they have. They've all contributed, and it's a mel of a hess. But they've gotten us in. Good morning, the Saturday edition. Radio Ranch, Roger Sales, your host. We got uh, old Bruce and Mirka and Paul, all the good guys and gals here. And uh, it is the May 20th Saturday edition. And uh, we are, Paul, here's your, here's your chance. We're streaming on... I think I could even get it today. We're actually, we're actually only on radio.globalvoiceradio.net and eurofolkradio.com. Yes. yes uh, we, home network.tv and freedomnation.tv are MIA at the moment. Are they? Yeah, that's okay. We're we'll be back Monday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, would you stop that? Not you. This thing here. This crazy jitsi board. So, uh, okay, so we're streaming on the usual suspects here this morning, our kind of home base. Well, you stinking thing. Okay. It will not give me all the tiles up there, Paul. It continues to cut back to the one. Okay, here we go. Uh, Saturday edition, usually a little different, seems like. Um, Originally put out for the people that have jobs and need questions answered and stuff, but don't see too many of them coming around, so we'll just plug it in as a little get-together amongst us girls. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, it was uh, delightful to hear. Was it Deanna? Yeah, no, it wasn't Deanna. It was uh, uh, the gal from uh, Ohio yesterday that came in. Right at the tail end I of the show. I think it was Deanna. Was it Deanna? Okay, I think it's yeah. close to that. Uh, evidently, she's not back with us this morning, but we'll look forward to uh, her questions as she grows in the information. Uh, Mirka, you had some stuff you wanted to discuss, I guess, so we might as well start out there. Okay, so um, you and Daryl and Brent were talking about nations, uh, and there was an explanation towards the end. Um I wanted to put together the question that I had for you in the email um, about constitutional law. Um, and, and it's something that you talked about, but it needs to be a little more detailed on on what we were learning 
last week on the organic statues at large. So I wanted to um, say something before we start because when you share information, like you and Daryl and some students that are bringing in some really good data that will clarify it for us and help us absorb it, grasp the knowledge and take command of the information, we need to be mindful of um, changing the, the topic or interrupting an explanation when we're listening to it. Because there's more, a lot of people that are listening and trying to learn. Right. Well, I understand and, and, that. So you know, it's the base denominator problem we've got by using this forum and the group of people that we've got involved here. And it's hard to overcome. But I don't disagree with you. Okay. So um, what I wanted to, it's it's two or three questions in, in one thing. Um, I wanted to bring in the natural you know the natural law well that's common law yeah but organic statues which is very important to us right Uh, there are some things in there that are important for us to learn from Um, the question is how do they apply and since they are organic or, or are they organic statues that are the of the land natural law or would it be uh, the land of the city? I think that the important point is the concept that once a law is passed by the Congress, both houses, and signed by the president, that's where it goes into the organic statutes at large. At that point, it's considered to be constitutional. It's not tested. Obviously, there's some things that go in there that aren't, probably. But it's considered to be constitutional because it's passed the checks and balances to that point. Okay, so that would be constitutional law, but for the the well, see the that's the, the, the well that, that that's the problem is there's nobody out there that it applies to but us. So then, okay. Okay. Natural law then. So that's why with the bankruptcy and the way they restructured the system with administrative agencies running the show, since there are no people that have God-given protections under the Constitution, or at least outside of us and probably a few, you know, a few others, then that's why they take the information in the law at that point and move it over to the United States Code. Now, it can be moved over in total where it's the same as it was, basically, or they can monkey with it, such as positive and non-positive law. And so that's the difference in that second set of books, the United States Code. The third set of books is the Code of Federal Regulations. You know, Merkel, what you may want to do is go to the law library and just poke around. You can actually see these things that I teach right. you all about, okay? But they'll yeah. move it over to the United States Code. Now, there, if it's positive law, it does apply to us. But if it's non-positive law, it doesn't. Okay. okay so, so this is the, where they're oh, let me let me go this is where they're making the transition from the way it's supposed to be to the way that they've changed it to and that middle ground the United States code is where they mix both okay 
So okay. they mix both in the middle. And then the third one, the Code of Federal Regulations, the administrative state, is their pure system they want. So right. it's okay. a way to take a law that is constitutional and alter it and change it down to the point where they can promulgate regulations off of it and then have their own interpretation, in essence, making it man-made law. Right. So it sounds like they're using it for their jurisdiction, not for ours. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, the, uh, but it doesn't. But it doesn't mean that it stays that way. It could be back on natural. Well, okay, right? it, well, the regulations don't apply to you. They're only for residents. You know, if you go to those fifty titles in the Code of Federal Regulations, there's only one that's got both statuses in it. That's Title Twenty Six Income Tax. The other forty nine are for residents. Okay. Okay. So that this is totally the regulatory. This is the problem we're all dealing with is this administrative state where they're having man, man, men who are not men and women, excuse me, who are not elected, but are put into these posts and they take this legislation and they reinterpret it according to whatever, Whatever criteria they're using, obviously, it's all these bad people. And uh, maybe it's another way to look at it, Mirka, here, is, uh, and I mentioned it before, it's really difficult to get rid of regulations once they're promulgated and they've gone through proper process. Okay, But one of the only ways anybody's ever been able to do it is to go to court and bring in the original legislation when the law was constitutional and see how they've changed it when they promulgated the regulation. And if you get a real big difference in the way the regulation has been promulgated and what it says and states versus what the original intent of the legislation was, they can get a regulation out that way. So that's how that they take what is good and they run it. You know the old saying, you never want to see sausage or laws made? I don't know if you've heard that before. It's been around for a long time. Well, this is a good example of that. Because now we're seeing how the sausage and the laws are made here. And you see how rotten it is in the process they go through so they can foist it over here on the new slave class. In the form of regulations. You know, your congressman doesn't come ding you. It, when when something goes wrong or you if you step over some boundary line that some regulation poses, your congressman doesn't come ding you. Right. It's the administrative agency that comes and dings you with SWAT teams. So right. Did, um, yesterday, you and Brent and Daryl were talking about the nation, the nations, right? Um, the blood uh, and family heredament and the land of the law, a uh, land of the city or, yeah, U.S., you know, the U.S. land. Um, the, the, they're, they're talking about nations of the land in the U.S. Well, they're talking about, a, let's say this, they're talking about landed nations, let's say. And really, if you go back to the definition of nations, you know what the definition of nations is in its purest form is race. Right. That's blood and heredament. Correct. And then um, the U.S. 
their definition for nations is the the, the a geographical, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the country, the boundary, etc. That's kind of their. No matter who the inhabitants are, where the true definition of nations is a group of like-minded inhabitants. Or, you know, hereditament blood, you know, the Germans, the Russians, etc., etc. Okay. Or did that help? I mean, these are definitions, that words that they're using, you know, just like the um, organic statues at large, there's still two different definitions you know, ways to use it and um, the nations also for as a definition, you know, changing their definitions per U.S. or nations. And where do they they do all that? In the code. Right. In the middle section is where they start mixing things and messing them up. Okay. But you don't ever violate, even though in court cases they'll charge you with a code violation. What they're really coming after you on is regulations, the interpretation of that. Yes, Bruce. Does this same does this same principle apply to state legislatures, laws passed by them and signed by the governor? Um, I don't know, quite frankly. Um. You'd, somebody'd have to go in and research it. I mean, they're they're passing laws under the auspices that they're a federal subdivision in the of, of the federal government and a political subdivision. I think, and I don't think they have that same system that they have at the national level. I believe they'll pass a law and it goes right into, say, in Georgia, OCGA, the official code of Georgia, annotated. Okay, they, I don't believe there's an interim uh, set of books there at the state level. And that's because they've all folded under the system of the last hundred years in this bankruptcy and everything that's followed. If they had an organic statutes at large, it would tell you that those are two designations are active in the state, and they don't want you to see that. To my knowledge, no, Bruce. Roger, that wasn't me. Oh, okay, whoever it was, I thought it was Bruce. So it was Rick. Sorry, Rick. The constitutional law is man-made, then. It's not natural. Mm-hmm. Well, it, constitutional law promulgated as regulations under the 14th Amendment has been deemed constitutional. See, that's the part that everybody starts saying constitution. Hey, the 14th Amendment's part of the right. Constitution, folks. Exactly. And you say Constitution, and they they go, yeah, yeah, well, we're operating under the Constitution. They don't tell you it's just the 14th Amendment. But it's not even made for us, Roger. Do what, Marco? It's not even made for us. Our protection is not made for us. No, it's it, no, it's it, it's totally separate, you know. But uh, that's the way the little. And I mean, I've had to just figure this out over the years. I didn't go to some textbook and go, well, "This is what it is." Hell, I just had to figure it out, you know. 
in the way things operate and how they're set up and basically like going in as an engineer and looking at a schematic of a of of some drawing a cad cam drawing or something and trying to twist it and turn it see how it's structured see how it's built and find the weak points and that's what we did we found the weak points on it the fraud could have been a hell of a journey Merck. i can tell you that i mean i can't tell you how many tens of thousands of hours i've spent thinking about this stuff why does that like that how is that like that how does that connect how does that work right exactly thank you roger and I'll, you know it's so easy when you get an overview of how what the system is and how it's structured and works well you see the the weak point really easy but if you don't know that you can't see it it's blended, just like all these attorneys. They don't see it. Hell, they're operating in it. That's their livelihood. They don't see it. This is very skillfully hidden. Okay. And for sure, the words, we really have to pay attention to the words because they're defined in a way that helps them. Of course. And it's not only the words that we pay attention to that they've written here. It's the words that we use. The words we use create right. reality. You know, I was thinking last night, and I've used it, told you all this before, but how many people do you say, government this, the government that, the government the other. It's the government. The gov- You hear that all the time, don't you? Right. They're not the government. Right. We're the government. That's- We've got that document where they agreed all these things that we're the beneficiaries of, and we elect representatives. They pass laws like we were just talking about, and then agents carry them out. What we're dealing with is the agents of government, not government. See, when you use that word government, it's like this big nondescript blob. Oh, where do you go? Who do you attack? They're all anonymous, all that crap. But if you go agents of government, well, who's the agent that did this? What's his authority? See the difference in the reality created there? Good example is um, the judge asking Byron, who's your leader? Exactly. And I've thought about that a number of times, too. Uh, interesting question that that judge would propose to him. Hard to cut. If, if, you, if you got hit with that question, uh, Merkel, what would you say? the creator yep yep i mean in essence you want to analyze that question who's your leader for us for us a national well our leader in essence is still the president we're under god's protections and god's laws but in this government that's what you should he could say well which leader sir in the realm here or in the big realm Okay, because really the president of the United States wears both hats, doesn't he? Isn't who up? Biden, unfortunately, is the president of the United States of America, and he's the president of the United States, too, isn't he? He's both. He's wearing both hats. Just like your judge, just like your judge that's sitting in there is wearing both hats, except in Louisiana because they don't have common law there. But in your other states, your judge is sitting on top of common law, too. You just got to access it through him. 
Roger, he's the president of the United States, not United States of America. Well, in essence, he's still the president of the nations, too. Okay, of the nation, too. They don't put it like, well, the president of the United States of America, that's how they announce him a lot of times. But yeah, this is this equivocation between those two that they've played on and built this whole thing on. That one right there. The difference between the federal and the national. Words of art. Well, it is terms of art. Exactly. That's why you really have to have command of this stuff. If you don't, you'll never be able to figure out those differentiations. Marco, you've been hanging around here a year, and that's still giving you problems. Well, I'm asking it because I there's like little details in between that are not, you know, um, obvious. And there's questions, you know, that from other students that are yeah. being asked. Okay. And um, I just wanted to make sure that that picture is clear. You know, talking about the organic statues, you know, because you said that, you know, they do apply to us. Um, you know, I was thinking, I'm like, how, do, how, if they're what, not, what if they're, was? if they're not constitutional, they wouldn't. And remember I said they're considered to be constitutional. Right. And it's also in the wording that we're using too. Oh man, that's just, this whole thing is just an absolute landmine. That's, that's where, that's where, um, you know how people are going into court too, and we, you know, we don't know what to say, how to say it, because we're still thinking about the U.S. codes and the subject matter, you know, whatever is going on there in the United States, and their their, you know, issues that they're trying to bring on us and policies and laws, and we don't need to be talking about that because the affidavit is the. Well, it should separate uh, you. It should separate you from those, uh, without a doubt. But there again, this seems to do it at the federal level pretty easy. It's the state level and some of these little traffic things where it's sticky wicket. Because you're dealing with different people in different jurisdictions and not one centralized authority. Hey, listen, I never promised you a rose garden. Yeah, well, hopefully that clears up some of the questions with the nations and, you know, what apply, what applies to us. You know, there, there are definitions that we should be learning. I mean, like, uh, just keeping an eye on and... Um, aware of. Not letting... You know, being aware uh, aware of and um, it, it, the, the definitions are changed to the benefit of the evil empire. Well, that's what they and, do. That's what they were doing back in Jesus' time. They just changed the rules. That's what they're doing now. They just changed the rule. Oh, we'll just change the definition of vaccine right here before we jab you. It's the same bunch doing the same stuff in the same manner, basically. And they turn it around on you. Oh, yeah. They like to do that. They like to do that. 
Thank you, Roger. Yeah, well, I hope that answered everybody's questions. Uh, it, you know, to me, from my viewpoint, it's very simple, but I've spent 30 years with this stuff. You guys are new, and I know it's confusing, you know, and intentionally so. They didn't set it up this way uh, without some intent behind it. The more confusing it is, the easier it is to fool people, period. Period. I was gonna I was gonna point out the sovereign citizen thing. You know how they have the FBI sending out or <laughs> DHS and FBI sending out notices about, you know, how people are uh um how they're behaving and what they're saying and using. And I noticed that a lot of that information that they're they're sending out is a lot of what Diaz and Anna was were doing with their students. And I'm thinking that that was just a tactic on their part, setting people up, you know, the American people. And well, the sovereign citizen thing's definitely a setup. It's a straw man. Okay. I mean, well, but I'm thinking Diaz and Anna were using that, <clears throat> helping the feds, and now the feds are using that to blanket, the, blanket us over. You know, use that as a blanket over us. Yeah, well, I wish I really knew the story that was going on with Anna Von Wrights and Straight. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to spend the time to try and figure it out. And it's just unfortunate that people get uh, exposed to that and bite. You know, they're looking for answers here. Somebody that says they got what? answers. They got all this uh, stuff they've written, and it's very confusing. And my God, that must make it official, shouldn't it, Wayne? So we better plow through this, and 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 just hopefully, you know, some of them will come to their senses. Hey, Wayne, wasn't that hey, Wayne? Roger? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Wayne. Hi. No, this this is the man that uh, got your affidavit entered into the court. Oh, good deal. How you been? Uh, I've been all right. Long time. Yeah, sure Long is. Time. How have you been? All right. Plugging right along. This is the guy from Huntsville. Going, uh, we just had that happen again. Did you hear that? I'm sorry? We just had that same thing happen again. Almost. It was a traffic situation, and Joe up from New Jersey had uh, uh, done a lot of uh, everything real correct, and he started reading the affidavit and the little trial, and the judge says, don't read that document in this courtroom. Let him read anything else in there for an hour. Well, they were fishing. You know, at the end of, end of my trial, you know, I ended up getting stuck with the bill for the plaintiff, and... Um, I don't know if that was necessarily due to the affidavit. And then also it got characterized as the SC, the sovereign citizen. Yeah. I hope you violently objected to that. Yeah, well, the order came out like three months after the trial. Well, I'd go back and contest the order. Yeah, he's got a six-month window. How the hell that was three years ago? Yeah, it was a few years ago. Whatever. Oh, yeah. So they ruled against you with the child, yeah. and they let him go shoot it up with all that crap? No, it wasn't that. Um, but 
I got held in contempt basically for violating the agreement, I guess is what it came down to. But so, you know, one thing that, you know, we don't really talk about is the difference between a court of equity and, you know, a criminal court. And I guess that's the other thing when you're looking at these uh, domestic relations cases, the judges have a lot of leeway in what they do. Um, yeah. Considered a court of equity. Well, they're the ones that are going to decide what what the rules are. The things going to be heard under. But even though they can decide in another way, they're the ones that evidently are making that decision. I don't go into that too much, uh, simply because you know I try and emphasize on explaining these basics to people and showing them all this stuff, and that's difficult enough in itself. Yeah, yeah, but you know, like you were saying earlier, it's, it's not easy. Um, got to be a belligerent claimant, I guess, if you're going to have any. Problems. Now we've had some tremendous successes too. From right what? there, we've had some tremendous successes, but traffic and stuff like this, you're dealing with individual jurisdictions. That's the problem. It's not centralized where there's one guy. And it's all these little judges that they, they're little, they're princes and, and little knights in their, in their area. And, you know, they go into a restaurant and get the nicest table and everybody wants to come over and say hi and all that. And they've elevated themselves in the local community. And now they've got that attitude. See? So that's what you're dealing with in all these local jurisdictions. Yeah, I, I, you know. I, I try not to deal with all that traffic stuff. I mean, it's, in my opinion, it's easier to go along and get along. Yeah, I appreciate, yep, I appreciate both sides. People do it under principle. I understand that, but you got practical reality, too. you got to balance them. Yeah, and you also got to balance out, you know, life decisions. Are you going to spend your whole life fighting everything, or are you going to, you know, it might be easier just to do this and not have to deal with, you know, potentially, you know, whatever kind of consequences come from. Well, your your peace of mind and your life circumstances have a heavy weight in the equation somehow. And each individual's got to be the one that balances that out to me. But yeah, I applaud. Absolutely. Personal decision, so. Yeah. Well, good to hear from you, Roger. Roger. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for checking in. It's been a long time. Yeah, well, maybe Paul Paul let you sneak into the room here somehow. <laughs> Roger, yeah, yeah, I snuck by the the the, body, the, the, the bouncer. Yeah, yeah, Paul. Are you still in there, Roger? Yeah. Oh, there's Bob. Hold on, there was a question. I'll get to you, Bob. Yeah, am I still what? And I'm in I'm still I'm in Ecuador now. I don't, Quito. You said just north of Quito in a little valley, right north of Quito. Yep. What about a uh, new buddy down there, uh, Panama Jack? Um, Saw him last there? night. Had dinner with him last night. He's doing good. Yeah. Well, good yeah, he had a tragedy just recently, but yeah, he's doing good overall. All of us are real happy to be here. I can oh. tell you that. Well, it's your buddy Tom. Tom Sram, I hadn't talked to him in years. I don't know what what he's doing. Tom marches to a little bit different drummer. Yeah. 
he wanted to go over he doesn't want to pay attention to our stuff uh he wants to go over and be the georgia leader for anavon Wright. so you know go on tom okay each their own. Yep. Very good. Uh, yep. All right. Thanks for checking That's in. All right. Yes. Yeah, so, hold on. I got Bob somewhere in there. Wasn't it Bob? Yes, it is. Well, Bruce, I'm trying to figure out. Bruce, who well, hold on. Hold on. Bob was first. Go ahead, Bob. Go repeat that, please. I said, I'm trying to understand who we're talking to. He sounds like an old friend, but he was I have our, no idea. He was, our, he was our guy up in uh, Huntsville. Well, he was the guy up in Huntsville that had the contested thing with his ex-wife about the baby, and he had the vax, he had the health side of it, and they took him to court, and that's the first time the judge told somebody not to read the affidavit in the courtroom. That's who that was. Wow. Okay, cool. so we're going way back. Oh, right. yeah. Five, six years, probably. Well, we were talking like old friends, but I think the rest of us are pretty much lost after who he was. Well, that's so, okay. okay. Uh, we, keep right. you, we keep you lost, you know. Well, I, I recognized it right off, but you guys didn't. So, anyway, how you doing, Bob? Not too bad. How do you like this for irony? I'm driving down Highway 27, and a car comes by me, and it's got the Argentine flag back at the bumpers. Really? Yeah. How are you? You're not nervous, but I just... Well, you're cutting out. you got a terrible connection driving down 27 right now. So I guess when you get in a better cell, we'll... I'm in a bad spot. Yep. So you had an Argentine flag on the bumper sticker, huh? Yeah. I yeah. had to put it in a search engine to make sure I wasn't wrong. But sure enough, it was an Argentine flag. I just thought it was kind of ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, some of them got smart and moved to South Florida. <laughs> but they may be in a worse condition pretty soon, you know. Yeah. May not be a lot different. Yep. Yeah, poor yeah. Argentina. Poor I'm Argentina. I'm a little bit of a bad spot. I'll just, I'll just mute out. Okay, well, we'll find somebody else. Bruce, you had something to say? Yes, I sure do. I um, got on a radio program last, yesterday afternoon uh, in South Carolina, Columbia, and they were talking about taxes, taxes this, taxes that. What we're going to do about these taxes we got on us and school systems and everything adding up and. They were all complaining. People were calling in, talking about um, different things about them paying taxes and stuff like that. So I called in and I said, "I'm uh, I'm a national status. I changed my status. I sent in an affidavit, you know, Rick Monroe, and to the Secretary of State of the United States. As simple as that, is changing your um, status, and you won't be paying these taxes. Well, what are you gonna do?" With this, what are you going to do with that? And I said, well, I don't have to deal with that. What do you mean you don't have to deal with that? We have to deal with that. Everybody has to deal I said, oh, no, no, no. Not everybody. It's your choice. So well, when he was putting I'm, up those, when he was putting up those kind of, uh, of objections, it was like, how are you going to pave the roads and do all that kind of stuff? Yeah, how you well, going to gas you, and all this stuff, you know. And what did you tell him? that? You, did, did you inform them that they don't understand the tax system well, yeah. and that none of your income tax goes yeah. to any of that? 
I told him that they they just he just kind of like went right over it. You know? Yeah, incredible. Anyway, so yeah. Well, everybody knows, you know, Bruce. Everybody knows. Oh, they know. They know more than you know. <laughs> oh, they think they know more than you know. Anyway, I'm just a caller. So anyway, um, he hangs up on me, and I can't talk anymore. He's yakking, yakking, yakking about it. And then, um, and then um, the next caller. Well, he he's a sovereign citizen. You got to watch out for them sort of citizens. They go do all kind of stuff and, and, and screw up everything. And blah, blah, blah. He just went on and went on. And he evidently had to be an agent because he knew all about it. Could have been. The sovereign citizen. Yes. So I called back, and they wouldn't answer my call. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to write out an outline and attach it to an affidavit. And this is notice about the sovereign citizen, me being pronounced as a sovereign citizen. When that guy went to sovereign citizen, now the guy on the on the air, the moderator, went to sovereign citizen, not national sovereign. He called me sovereign citizen six or seven times. Well, the, 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 um, uh, you know, I mean, the there's just a lot of ignorance out there, folks. A lot of deception. Well, so what well, I'm going to do, I'm going to send them an affidavit, a testimony. Well, they won't look at it. What? No, no, no. I'm going to process it. I'm going to go through the administrative process on them. Oh, you're going to send it to I mean, his, I, I you're going to send it. You're going to send it to his rejection and equal time. And what now? Force a retraction of his statements and demand equal time to yeah, explain the, well, yourself. The fairness doctrine isn't back. The fairness doctrine. The fairness doctrine isn't back in operation. Sorry, Paul. They're wanting to put it in there. Well, well, the notice. Well, the notice on the affidavit's testimony. He he better start uh, writing up one. I'll to, you know, uh, I Bruce. I'm gonna. I'd lay you a bet. He'll. You can send it to him. Certified, registered with a potentate delivering it, and he'll never look at it. And if he looks at it, he still won't understand it. I'm not telling you well, not I'll to do it. I'm just thought, telling you the way uh, that my experience goes with this. And you thought and taking the court. <laughs> Well, I, you, if you want to go he's back. He's in court. Well, you <laughs> go back. Now when I send him the affidavit, he's got to answer it. Okay. Well, do it, whatever you want. No, but see, the whole point is they don't understand what we're doing, and oh, they put us in the category of a of a thief. You're, like you're, we're not paying our fair share. And I told them about the tax. Oh, oh, well, that's crazy. You're preaching and to they the choir, well, what is the, You know, I said they borrowed your money. That's all they do is borrow the money, you know. So this is this is just you know I couldn't get back in. So that's I got to do something, you know, to clarify the. the well, now y'all see why I've had so much problems over all these years trying to get this message out. The people mention I oh yeah no no I don't want to hear that. I had a friend that got his house stolen ten years ago, but and they they just shut you off. They don't give you the time to rebut what they're questioning or answering. They're not truth seekers, and they're not looking for the answer. They think they've already got the answer from somebody else's experience. 
And see, that's the first time I've called. Well, the second time I've called to that show with another with another host with that show. And this was the owner of the of the uh, broadcasting uh, the radio program. Oh, the owner of the program or the station? Station. Yeah. And uh, he's trying to you know conjure up money and stuff for his his new uh, venture and all you know and um, anyway. Anyway, well, it's just, it's, it's, you, you just, I'm, I'm going to tell you my experience, Bruce, is you just, you can't, it's like beating your head against a wall because it feels so good when you stop. <laughs> well, I've been doing this since 2000. <laughs> I know. I understand that, you know, you can't get through to these people. You can't get a crack in their defense to say, listen to me. Look at this. Look at this jurisdictional statement here. You can't get their attention. They're not open-minded enough to do that. That's why uh, this message is such tough, tough sledding. People either that or they're scared or whatever, you know. That's yep. why I tell you guys yep. how important yep. all of you are to me. I mean, look, I've been I've been preaching this for years. Look at the look at the congregation we've got. I mean, anybody else would have quit a long time ago. But I knew how important this is. So evidently one of the few at the time. And it's got to be gotten out there. And there's, unfortunately, they've done such a sterling job of setting this thing up and brainwashing everybody and scaring the pee waddling out of them that you can't get people to sit down and look at this seriously unless they're driven by that truth seeker gene. If they're driven by that, it's a different story altogether. This goes back, it's easier to pull a rope than to push a rope. You can't push a rope on those guys. They're brainwashed, totally brainwashed. Well, well, it's like the guy at RBN, that attorney that was big buddies with Tom D., the guy that does all their mortgage stuff. No, don't do that, Tom. They're going to deport you. Well, here's a lawyer, for God's sakes. You don't even know about the Jim Crow laws? You and, 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 I mean, it's ridiculous. You can't get this across to those people. You can plant a seed, but that's about all you can do. It's my experience to this point. And you just got to go out and find the people like us, folks. It's a challenge. Now, the, the, the good news is there's a lot more people looking for what we got now than there have been in the past. Makes the, our jobs a little easier. But, uh, no, it's tough sledding here, folks. It's not easy. I thought it'd be easy, man. I thought once this stuff got out there, I got on Joyce Riley one time, it just spread like wildfire. Nope. Didn't work that way. That's why the answer for us right now is to get to one of these big platforms with a huge audience. When we can present this to a huge audience, then we'll start getting some numbers out of there. But that's what's otherwise it's onesie twosies. Yeah, I appreciated him taking my call. 
before I said anything. Yeah. That was one one point I made with him. And therefore, he let me talk more than usual because he cuts people off because he's just got calls in left and right. Right. Well, I mean, uh, what does your income tax go to? Did you ask him that? Did you ask him here? Here's what you ought to bring up with. Here's here's what you here's what you here's what you should bring up with him if you want to call in there again. Are you familiar? I'm going to call him and send an Okay, well, whatever. If you were to call in again, or if you were to re- relive this, you could call in and say, "Are you familiar with the Grace Report?" Think he is going to be? No. Okay. Are you? I'm not. Okay. Well, the Grace Report was written by a guy named Peter Grace. He was appointed by Reagan to try and form a commission to look at ways to downsize the federal government. And he came back, and in the Grace Report, you can go look it up on the Internet, Peter Grace, the Grace Report, said not one nickel of your income tax goes to the day-to-day running of the federal government. That's his statement in that report. Oh, yeah, Mr. Radio Station host, where does it go? See, it's much better to ask questions than to make statements. Because then you're pulling the rope, not pushing the rope. Then where do they get the money to run the government? They borrow it. They borrow it. Off of your future labor that's collateralized. They do bond issues. Well, the real running of the government's done with impost and excise taxes. Okay. For instance, gasoline tax. This guy said something about gasoline in your conversation, right, Bruce? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, gasoline taxes are excise taxes. They're not income taxes. They're federal taxes that are called excise tax. Do we need to go back and do a little primer here on taxes in general? Would that help? Okay. There's two types of taxes. Indirect and direct. Is that difficult? No. Indirect taxes are called excise taxes. And they have to be uniform. That means that they're on something that you use. And they have to be uniform. Which means that... If you're up in the middle of Alaska and stop to buy gas where the price of gas is $7 a gallon, the amount of taxes that you're going to pay on that gallon are the exact same percentage of somebody that lives across the street from a refinery in Houston and goes right across the street and gets her gas for $3. There's going to be federal taxes on both, but it will be the same percentage of the purchase price. They're uniform. Same as excise taxes are also sometimes referred to as sin taxes. Have you heard that, Joan? Sin taxes? Wasn't it, wasn't it Joan that was asking the question there a second ago? Sin taxes. Those are things on the tax on alcohol and the tax on tobacco. 
if you don't want to pay the tax, don't drink or smoke. Okay? So there's a choice there whether you're going to pay that tax, isn't there? You don't want to pay the tax, don't buy gas. You don't want to pay the tax, don't buy whiskey. You don't want to pay the tax, don't buy cigarettes. Okay? So that's one side. The excise uniform taxes. The other side is capitation taxes. And capitation means head. Those are the taxes that are on your body. We have those in the Constitution, by the way. Okay? And those have to be apportioned. So indirect taxes, excise taxes are uniform. Direct capitation taxes are apportioned. What does that mean? This is where the census came from. One of the main reasons for the census, wasn't the only reason, but one of the reasons, was so that in case there was a direct tax levied by Congress, they're not levied by the IRS, they're levied by Congress. And everybody has to pay the same. So they would get the census, find out how many people were in Rhode Island versus how many people were in New York. And if there was a capitation tax levied by Congress, they would use those numbers to make sure that everybody paid the same amount. That's a check and a balance against capitation taxes. Because as Lord Acton said, the power to tax is the power to destroy. Okay? And so this was a check and balance put in by the people that founded the country so that, let's say, for instance, we used this example recently, if the Congress were under that system and Congress levied a capitation tax for a budget shortfall, and it was $5, and so everybody in the country had to pay $5 for this Congress congressional levied capitation tax. But then they decided to go off into one of these foreign wars like Ukraine, and the next year, Congress had to levy another capitation tax, and it was $5,000. So last year, everybody paid $5. This year, everybody's got to pay $5,000. You think people might stand up and go, what the hell are you people doing up there? You see that? Yes. Okay, so those are the only two types of taxes. Well, what's the income tax? It's a capitation tax that's not apportioned. Because everybody doesn't pay the same amount. Now they can come in and use the income tax for all kind of political shenanigans. Lois Lerner, does that ring a bell? Remember that name from a few years back, Lois Lerner? Of course. And what was she doing? She was going, oh, 501c3s? Well, yeah, we just won't issue a number. So they were inside politically discriminating uh, against people applying for 501c3 tax, uh, uh, you know, status. So they not only use it to collect funds to pay the bonds, they use it for political purposes. They also could take and go over and start taxing if we got some business competitors going on. Well, they just go over and tax the competitor, and they don't tax their company. And they can do that with a progressive income tax, see? 
That's why it was originally, they tried to get one passed in the late 1800s, and it was uh, shot down by the Supreme Court. I want to say the court case is Pollock versus something savings and loan. But there was a clear income tax tried to be enforced late 1800s, went to the Supreme Court. Nope, can't do that. Sorry, it's not apportioned. So when people come out and say things like that, what they're doing is showing their ignorance, Bruce. Really. I know it's a complicated subject, okay? But they're showing their ignorance with blanket statements. What have I told y'all? They set us up with generalities, and they zap us with specificity. So him making that statement, what are you going to do about the gas tax? Well, that's a generality statement, isn't it? He's got general understanding, doesn't he? He doesn't have specifics. Oh, you mean I can go over here specifically to the Code of Federal Regulations that deals with Internal Revenue Service, and I can show you their jurisdictional statement, and I can show you that there's people that don't pay those taxes? You still won't believe me, though, will you? They're convinced. <laughs> they won't. They won't believe you. So you know that's the battle we're fighting, folks. And you know, I I empathize for those people. I wish they had more uh, desire to learn the truth, but they they don't. And I can't put it into them. It's like you know Jesus throwing the demons out and putting them into pigs. I can't do that. All I can do is plant a seed, pray for them, and go on and find somebody who wants to listen. Well, they came after Jesus, remember? Oh, yeah. Roger, um, having a passport, everybody has a passport. No. No, not everybody. Well, the U.S. In the U.S. Almost. No, uh, the U.S. has the lowest percentage of passport possession of any country in the world, Merca. What? The U.S. has the least amount of citizens with a passport than any other percentage of any country in the world, is what I've heard. I don't have a passport. I was thinking. I was thinking thinking that well, if people use have a passport and they read the information on their passport, it's on there. National people don't read these days, Marka. And if they did, they wouldn't understand it. Here's what they do. Uh, U.S. passport is only issued to U.S. citizens slash nationals. So they're going to go in and start, oh, well, what's this national thing? What are they going to hit, Marka? U.S. national. They're going to hit American Samoans. Roger? Yes. How about this? Okay, I know we don't discuss the uh, gold fringe flag in that court, but if that is admiralty, right, and you're walking into that jurisdiction, if you carried your passport into court and you uh, connected that to your affidavit with you already gave them, I don't think they'd have much room to move. Well, it just depends on who you're dealing with. Theoretically, theoretically, you're correct, but... In a in a real life situation, we've learned that's not always correct, is it? Well, a lot of people, I think, are giving up their jurisdiction when they start talking about subject matter. If you just went in there with your passport and they had your affidavit and you don't talk about statutes, codes, regulations, and all that, which a citizen is under, 
um, I think somebody might be able to see if there's some real validity or not. Well, but you know, Brent you, made a very interesting point the other day on your gold fringe flag. He said you see the gold fringe flag in federal courts, not in state courts. Why? Well, according to some people, that's an admiralty flag. And Stamper believes that all federal, contract law federal, is under admiralty law. Federal jurisdiction covers admiralty law. It's in the Constitution. Yes. And, and Stamper says all contract law is outside of common law, and that is admiralty law. No, I don't agree with him. It's not. It's merchant okay. laws based on contract. Say, admiralty law. Admiralty law is based on me being able to whip your ass and take your crap, Samuel. Well, that pretty much looks like what they're doing. To no, they're not. They've got all kind of processes. They got to go through yeah. all kind of processes to go grab stuff. Anyway, um, my point is, if it is, let's just say it is an admiralty jurisdiction. But you walk in with your passport, I think that has a tremendous amount of effect on that administrator that's up there. That's not a judge. Well, no, let's say it should have a lot of effect. Okay, sometimes it doesn't. Well, nobody's doing it. Who's done it, Roger? Uh, you know, uh, really, you shouldn't even be in those venues if you've done this properly. I'm thinking that that might be the best approach is that you do this with paperwork and you say that if they put a warrant out you out for you, you're going to bring a Title 18 uh, suit against them for color of law you violations. can't bring and a criminal suit, Samuel. We, you can bring the complaint. Okay, whatever. Bring the complaint. Yes, civilians mind. can't bring criminal prosecutions. They can bring well, you civil. Can bring the complaint to the, the the federal prosecutor. You can do that. Anyways, you set it up. And set, well, it, 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 it's a concept, Roger. Don't kill me on the details. We, you, nobody is going in there with their passport, number one. Okay? Jurisdiction of that passport is now connected to that affidavit that that judge has. I, I haven't heard of one case of any of our people having to go into federal court on this. It's always this state traffic crap. Well, it's the same damn thing, in my opinion. Well, it's not the same thing. One's well, a federal yeah, jurisdiction. The other's a state jurisdiction. Extending citizens. federal jurisdiction, but it's still a state court. Citizens are federal property. That's as federal as it gets. When you enter that place, that is the presumption. You're a citizen, and you're part of the 10 square miles, plain and simple. Well, if you've done your paperwork ahead of time and filed this stuff with them, that presumption's gone when you, if you walk in there. I'm thinking that if once the, I, even going there is bad news, but I, if, if you told them somehow in your paperwork – that you ain't showing up there unless they can prove they have jurisdiction over the passport-carrying national. We're talking about a they, hypothetical situation that, honestly, not one of our students has ever, to my knowledge, has had to go into federal court here. It's always state court stuff. I don't think it matters. This is still federal jurisdiction. 
Because the citizen is federal property. How can it not be? I mean, these the states are just quasi-federal territories, which makes all the people in it the same thing, doesn't it? In Unless you make the difference by using the affidavit. Okay, well, we just had a guy that came on for the first time in years that he didn't introduce it. The moving party, his ex-wife did. And he, it was in the court. It was in the process. He tried to read it on the stand. Judge wouldn't let him read it. Comes back and and, and rules against him and puts him in contempt. And all that was done. He tried to read the affidavit in court, and they stopped him. Yeah, just like they did Joe. Yes, exactly. I'm just throwing it out there, Roger. I'm not trying to cause trouble. Well, look, I mean, that's what we teach everybody to do. That's what all the local notices are about to the DA, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It's different local jurisdictions that's the problem. I think these yeah, judges think are trying to throw curveballs, and I think well, if you of course they your passport are. out of your pocket and flipped it open and shoved it up at the judge's face, well, that's says, what this is. This is who I am. It, you have the affidavit supporting. Isn't that it. what Joe did? I mean, in no. essence, isn't that what Joe did? Well, I, I disagree with you. And he didn't object, which he needed to do. Okay. Well, that's how we're learning is going over this, but. Hello, there's a female there trying to say something. Who is it? Yes, it's Sherry in Arkansas. And uh, when they introduce uh, equity into Arkansas, and it's under the uh, civil, the rules of civil procedure, under the footnotes, and it said when equity law was introduced, that gave the state they may apply it. Not shall apply it. Right. May apply it. Right. So they didn't do it at their whim. And so they invoke federal jurisdiction when it suits their purpose, and they apply state procedures when it suits their purpose. It's like a tennis match. They keep you going back and forth. It's exactly what's going on. Roger, we have a new student waiting. Jurisdiction. Okay. That's when you question jurisdiction. Well, I think you question jurisdiction from the start. That's what you're doing with the with the Secretary of State and your affidavit. You're not you're not questioning jurisdiction. You're dictating jurisdiction. But then you got to follow up. Okay, we got a new student on there, Mirka. Yeah, his name's Chris. Hey, Chris, you with us? You got your mic open? Star six. Star six, Chris. Chris, we'd love to meet you if you can manipulate through and manage getting the mute off. Chris. Hello? Hello. Did you get it? How's it going? Hey, Chris. You can hear me? Yes, sir. All right. How you doing today? Well, not too bad, all in all. How about you? Yeah, so I'm doing pretty good. 
Let me ask you a couple of questions since you're new. Uh, I got a couple of standard questions I like to get out of the way. Where are you in the country and how'd you find us? Uh, Washington State. Oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, yeah, same here. And I can't remember exactly where I heard from you. It was some podcast I was listening to. Yeah. And, uh, they mentioned, uh, they mentioned you. Yeah. In a good light, I hope. Oh, yes. That's not always the case. Yeah, you're actually like. I'm sorry, the little pause between. Yeah, we got a little delay here. I said it's not always the case that they mention me favorably, so that was the comment I made. Uh, how uh, how uh, exposed are you here, Chris? How how deep are you into? Have you gone and listened to some of the interviews and that kind of stuff, and got some background on this, or are you like green as a spring twig? I'm a newbie. I'm oh. green as a spring twig. Okay. That's good. You don't have any bad habits. Have you followed any of these charlatans that are out there up to this point? Anna Von Wrights or David Strait or any of these people? No, I don't have a very good memory, so I uh, have kind of like stayed away from stuff. But you know, listening to you, I like what you say. You kind of walk people through things and the information you have is uh, a lot better than anything else I've kind of heard little bits about over the years. Well, what you need to really understand and get in some sort of perspective is that what you're being presented with here is the result of over 100 years legal and historical research by three men in their lives totally dedicated to this. So it ain't chopped chicken liver, and I didn't come up with it all. All I did was stand on some other folks' shoulders. Well, I enjoy listening to all of it. Okay, good. What can we help you with today? Uh, I do have a... So I'm also a a Native American tribe member. Okay. And I'm pretty sure our tribe receives federal funds. So you're a real sovereign. With becoming a national or... Yeah. Uh, We shouldn't hurt you at all, I don't think. Uh, At some point, it used to be that the Indians were considered sovereigns. There's a very good Supreme Court case on this from the 1870s, and you may want to read up on it. And it's called Elk, like Elk, Elk Indian, V. Wilkins. And uh, it's a situation where after the 14th Amendment had been passed about 10 years, and this was in the Midwest, Kansas, Oklahoma, somewhere in there. And uh, Elk was uh, on the reservation and wanted to vote in the presidential election. And so he went into town, and he tried to register, and Wilkins was the registrar. And Wilkins wouldn't register him. He said, you're an Indian. You don't fit under the 14th Amendment. And so then the election day came, and Elk went to the polls to try and vote. And Wilkins was over the polls and wouldn't let him vote. And the case went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court says, well, hell, Elk's an Indian. He's Basically, he's a real sovereign. He's not one of these new federal citizens. 
But I think that they changed that somewhere in the 20s and that they imputed uh, federal citizenship on the Indian tribes. And I don't know all the reasons. I've never researched it. But uh, my understanding is that they're all under the presumption now. Okay. All right. I know our tribe got federal recognition within the last 20 years, and it was a, a fight. So are you you considered to be a citizen of the United States, right? Uh, right now, yes. Yeah, well, then you ought to be able to get out of it, whether they get federal funds or not. Let's take it this way. Better to ask forgiveness than permission. Have you ever heard that statement? Yes, I have. Well, send in an affidavit and see if they refuse it. I don't believe they will. Do you have a passport currently, Chris? No, the last passport I had, I got back in 2005, and I lost it years ago. Okay. Uh, well, you'll probably have to go back and do a DS-11 and start at the first, but after you do this, you probably want to apply for a passport card. You don't necessarily need to pay all the money to get a book, okay? Yeah, I was planning on doing both. Okay. Well, you can if you want to. May I just ask, um, do you think it has to do with the treaties with the five major tribes? I don't have any I don't have any idea and I'm not gonna do the research. If some of you want to, knock yourselves out. I have no idea really. Oh that's fair. It doesn't apply to you, Roger. I'm just uh, well, offering I'm, that information. I am part I am part in I am part in I am I'm part Native American. So, in a sense, it does apply to me, but not directly as if I'm on a reservation and involved more in the tribe. Well, your mother's full-blooded Cherokee, right? No, her her grandfather was. Oh, okay. Well, it nope. goes down to 132nd now. It used to be 116th, or maybe 164th. I can't remember now. And... um but it has to do with the treaties, and not all tribes had a treaty with the U.S. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, you just said is just got one 20 years ago. Federal recognition, I'm assuming, uh, that they had some sort of a treaty before, but they incorporated it. The feds have messed with all this stuff, okay? And Chris, I, I just don't have a clear-cut answer for you in your particular situation, but I don't think you'll have any problems. Okay, what, what, Sherry? Yes. Sherry, can we get your phone a little better? Because you're very hollow and you sound real distant. Are you on headphones or something? No, I'm on a, I'm on a landline. Okay. Okay. Well, well, that's okay. I mean, we'll deal with it. I was just going to see if we could improve it. So if that's your situation, that's okay. Just speak directly into the microphone, the receiving, the talking part of that phone. Okay. My question is, would a contract supersede a treaty? Uh, 
I don't know. Depends on the situation, and I don't think it does. A treaty overrides the Constitution if it's properly ratified and all that stuff. If the laws that are coming in under the treaty are constitutional. So, don't know. Chris, did we get you taken care of, buddy? Yeah, I, I had another question, though. It's kind of like having to do with that, that case that you were talking Elk. to somebody the other day about where they were in court, and you were telling them to sue the judge, the cop, and the prosecutor that was joe uh, yeah you used to do something like that well that's a good question and we're going to find out because i think joe does want to follow through on that uh you, you, you've never heard of people doing it successfully too much because nobody's ever known how to get their status changed where they could get them for acting outside of their delegated responsibilities you know, I know. I think it's been done in the past. I'm not familiar with any cases, but you just go in and take them to to state court and sue them in their local, in their personal capacity. You know, you bring a civil lawsuit. You're going to sue them, and you can sue them because they've lost their immunity because they were acting outside of their delegated responsibilities, like this cop, that prosecutor, and that judge in Joe's case clearly outside their delegated responsibility so i'm hoping that he does i'm i'm noodling on how we can help joe in uh, going through that process because it ain't it's not fun folks doing this first okay and joe's doing it totally out of principle and i really appreciate that okay and we'll see if we can't get him some help uh but i'm sure the dust is still settling over there just since that just happened but that's what that's when these people act outside of there that's the power of what we're doing chris is when they deal with us in the traditional manner they've dealt with everybody else when they've been put on notice they're acting outside their delegated responsibilities they become personally liable ordinarily if they were acting within their duties they'd have immunity but when they step outside of their duties and violate somebody like Joe's rights now that he's a confirmed national, now they lose their cloak of immunity and become personally liable. And we can start getting a couple of scalps on our belt here. People around the country will pay attention, folks. Yeah, that's why I was asking, because I assume you handle that on your own without an attorney, correct? Yeah, well, if you can find an attorney that would go sue a judge, it's like you can find another attorney to sue another attorney for malpractice. You can't find them. Okay, and I apologize for my connection. Well, that's okay. Um, you can't help it. I think law court would be the best avenue. Yeah, I think you do this. You do this in state court because they're not federal. This was a state judge. You're not going to go sue him. Well, I guess you might could uh, in in federal court, but I just don't know. Okay, quite frankly. 
<clears throat> I don't have answers for everything, Chris. I got the big answers, and then the rest of them, the only way we get definitive answers to some of these situations is when one of you guys presses the envelope. Then we get definitive answers. Yeah, it's a huge amount of money um, in small claims, but the judgment still stands. Yeah, you could use small claims court, but I mean, but then you got a limit on how much you can go after. Hell, I want to see Joe go after everything these bastards have got. Hey, Roger, this yeah. is Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, I told Joe the first thing he needs to do is file a bar grievance against the German prosecutor so they'll ding their insurance. Well, you know, there's a number of things he could do. He could contest it to whoever the judicial panel is that oversees judiciary stuff in Jersey. That probably won't do any good, but he could do that. Um, Roger, what did he say, dude? But do what did he say, dude? Now hold on. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Whoever's got the shittiest connection, come on. <laughs> I said, file a bar grievance, then find his bond, the, the judge's bond, and the prosecutor, and send him judicial notices. If you well, uh, proceed with this, I'll have to. Uh, uh, pull your well, I'll tell you what, you know, it would have been nice, and of course we're in retrospect here, it would have been nice if Joe would have checked to see if that judge and that prosecutor had an oath of office on file, wouldn't it? That's, well, that's how that, that lady who acts as a as a uh, attorney general that's not licensed in California, she she discounts like 80% of the judges for not having oaths. I'm sure that's true, probably higher than that. But that's something that hadn't even come up in this whole Joe discussion in the last week. Okay. But that's something I would, I just about guarantee you that judge doesn't have an oath of office on file. Roger. Yes. After I had done that to the judge and got him off the bench, they changed the process instead of going to the Secretary of State, which it should be in the file in the Secretary of State. They put it in the, lo- the library, <laughs> the state library. And, it, and they have to go. They have to go search the files to get the one you want. You can't go in and look for it yourself. <clears throat> of course, but that's something yeah. that we ought to. I don't know if Joe's with us today. He's probably working on Saturday. But um, that's something he ought to do is find out if that uh, judge and the prosecutor and, and aren't aren't cops also required to do an oath of office? Yep. Yeah, well, there's there's three you ought to be checking on right there. So we'll mention it to him. I thought about that the other night. Do what, Sherry? Sorry. All state um, laws are uniform throughout the union, and a bond must be on file. Well, now, not all state laws are uniform. There's some states that allow abortion and others that don't. Correct, but there is such a thing called reciprocity. Yes. Well, what? So they recognize other state laws, and you register it as a foreign judgment, and it has to be recognized in another state court. I know I'm kind of blending things, but that's what they do as well. 
So, but the bonds in Arkansas, I can speak to, they must be on file with the Secretary of State's office. Right. But they're not doing that here. Well, folks, I mean, what did Calendar's research show to the 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 whole entire federal official uh, bureaucracy most of them don't have an oath of office on file at, at this point they may have when trump was in don't know so yeah the whole thing's just cattywampus folks i mean it's just about as corrupt as it could get right now yeah don't don't let the judge say uh are you threatening me when you tell them about the oath of office and the bond and all that? You say, no, I'm just making sure you follow the law. That's right. Roger. Roger. Yes. Hi, right, this is Sketch. Um, and this is going directly to uh, the oath of office and jurisdiction. Um, there is a thing that needs to be uh, addressed, and that is a thing called discovery. And that is the evidence that the prosecutor is supposed to be using against us and I don't I'm not saying you have to go into court to get this but you could do it via all the, the paperwork and um, you might be able to get the judges uh, see if there is an oath with the judge through discovery also, well well you, you just got to go out and search that out and ask the appropriate people discovery is where they're required supposedly to turn exculpatory information or what they've got on the case over to you and you don't get discovery and interrogatories until you file a suit okay roger aren't they using aren't they don't they have to disclose the information that especially the jurisdictional issue to you, especially when you're entering your affidavit. No. And that's your evidence. No. Discovery and what they're required to do is only after a suit has been filed, either against you or by you. And both sides get that, okay? But you see how much good it did at January 6th They've been withholding exculp. They've not only withheld exculpatory evidence from those defendants. They planted FBI informants on the defense teams. No, I understand. I understand all that. Uh, there's another thing called Brady material. Brady. I don't know. Yeah, Brady. Well, Brady's exculpatory. A Brady motion. You got to turn over the exculpatory evidence, and then they just don't do it. Right. Well, when the judge said, "Oh, we have jurisdiction," you know, you say objection. That is facts, not in evidence. You know, well, that's I, your opinion. I don't disagree is. with you. Right. Okay. I just wanted to make that point. I think it's very important to, um, you know, when when judges. Uh, about their opinions we need to be a paperwork or whatever uh, object and say here's my affidavit what do you got you know and because that's the highest form sir of, uh, have you sir have, have you written out an affidavit rebutting my affidavit's facts and signed it under penalty of perjury how else are you making that determination unless you've done that 
But body. see, now you're getting to the point where you got to be belligerent with these bastards. And you got to know your stuff if you're going to be in that position and come out of victorious. You got to know your stuff and you got to stand your ground. What's the court below the Supreme Court? Is it district court? Appellate. Appellate. There's a court case, appellate court case, I can't remember it. I got it written down at home that it states that once you challenge jurisdiction, they have to prove it. They can't say that's, it. That's they right. That's right. And so what it, it, it here, a Joe challenged jurisdiction and the guy said, well, would you like to go ahead and have a trial? Yes. Well, the jurisdiction's gone. Yeah, I'm going to try to find that case. I got it written at the house. Yeah, well, that's, that's not. Maybe it's, it, once you challenge it, they have to prove it. They can't just stay. Before anything can go forward, that has to be settled. Supposedly, theoretically. I know Mark in all caps has been working on that. We hadn't seen Mark in all caps since, uh, I think, since Trump was in the presidency. You know, it's been a while. We miss him around here, actually. Yeah, I had sent him an email. And yeah, I know, I know. I remember. He, he would be very helpful in the procedure how to how to you know uh lock this up you know lock this jurisdictional issue up and how to well you're you know now you you know you're not you're not going to lock it up because you're dealing with different jurisdictions and none of these judges are going to want to be the judge that is known for pulling the bottom card out of the house of cards that's the problem i agree that's why they blend them and they get plausible deniability. It's not me. It's them. And they, them. they think me. they're the ruler or the roof. They'll never admit to anything. Of course not. They are. I mean, it's just a just to please drive careful out there, folks. Yeah. I'm mad here to speed limits. Don't put yourself in these positions. Make sure the damn lights on your license tag are working. All that crap. May I? I guess you may. Oh, my goodness. I finally pressed the buttons right. There you go. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit new to your call. I've been... uh, Downloading the recordings and listening to them as I could whenever I couldn't catch a live show. Yes, ma'am. Um, I can I can be addressed as uh, Mama G. I'm on the land in Colorado. Okay, well, and, drop that um, drop that on the I'm, land stuff because you've been exposed to Anavon rights and straight. But so you're in Colorado. Uh-huh. And, you're, and it's nor is it nor, norm Norma Jean is 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 how you. How we should address you? Mama. Mama. G. Mama G. Okay, we got a little bit of a phone funkiness here. So, all right, Mama G. So, welcome. Thank you. Um, I was originally uh, directed to this call because I was trying to get my hands on a Icaro one. Oh, okay. And then uh, a brother who uh, put me onto the call, he's also in Colorado, um, and uh, 
he told me I'm going to enjoy this call, and he was right. There's a lot more to it than uh, uh, what I originally intended to get on the call for, and I really appreciate, uh, I have to say, for all your dedication and passion with the work you've done over the years. I, it may not pay off as much as you would like sometimes, but I think it is paying off. As, as you know, it's already been. Well, you know, from my standpoint here, Mama, it's like this. I I know the power of this. I'd love to see it be able to affect change. That's what uh, we're going for here in the big picture. But as for me personally, what I'm doing is fulfilling the prophecy in the Old Testament of the Watchman on the Wall. Okay. I mean, I put this information out. I don't force it anybody. I don't charge anything for it. And that's because of that prophecy. Are you familiar with that prophecy, the watchman on the wall? Uh, Somewhat. Well, it's pretty simple. It says if you see danger coming, you're a watchman on the wall. If you see danger coming and you tell your fellow man and he doesn't heed it, the blood's on his hands. But if you don't tell him, the blood's on your hands. And I ain't got no blood on my hands from this. I tell people if they don't listen, it ain't my fault. I think we just dropped her. Mom, are you there or did we get drop you? No, right here. I'm okay, here. okay. Somebody dropped off. Good. So that's my motivation, and I'm all right from the start. If nothing ever happens, I've touch some of God's people who these folks invariably turn out to be and helped you maybe improve your lives the way that my life has changed by this information and if that's so that's great if we could ever get collective enough or we get enough people that we could affect change that's fantastic whether we'll get there or not hell I don't know I just take it one day at a time yeah as long as you love what you do and you haven't really worked a day in your life, right? Well, I love what I do here. I mean, my whole life revolves around that's these two I'm hours saying. with you fine people. Yeah, and I, I love this project. Yeah. I love monopolies. And I got a monopoly, see? I got a monopoly because nobody else in the world understood this. Except on our side, anyway. Well, I, I think I think the uh, people that you, you had to stand on on their shoulders or whatever you said to learn this stuff, I'm grateful for those that have kept the, kept the light on. Well, you know, interesting, Mama. Much of this came out of Denver. What part of Colorado are you in? Um, uh, here and there. Are you well? The uh, one of the. Here, uh, John Benson, my law teacher, lived in Denver. A lot of this research was done in Denver. There was another guy there that's a Coloradoan, I believe, named John Nelson that lives down in Durango. Are you familiar with him? No, I can't say that I, I'm familiar with it. Well, they threatened to kill him, and he hadn't been on the scene in a while. They killed his sister, who was an attorney in D.C., and uh, but he had almost the entire city of Durango using silver years ago. John Nelson hmm. did. Interesting. So anyway, well, listen, glad uh, you I don't mean to uh, uh, interrupt and, and kind of change this a little bit, but the time is valuable. I'm sure to the listeners. Um, I've been listening to these um, 
the conversations. And today I thought, well, maybe I can jump in today. So thank yeah. you for that. Well, you're welcome. Um, about about the rem- about the remedies. Um, I'm wondering if if you or the listeners um, has any knowledge or information uh, familiarity with. Uh, okay, let me start off by saying this first. What I've learned so far in about six years of 24-7 study, probably going on seven now. Um, Everything is commerce, and everything in commerce is contracts, and everything in contracts is paperwork. That's how it's kind of added up. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. You're you're under a contract right now that it that isn't written and it wasn't it you you volunteered into it but you, you to it but you don't know how you did it because it was not a traditional contract. Correct. There's different kinds of contracts. Is my point? Yes, I I realize that, and what I'm um, what I'm uh, would like to continue saying that once I got that and I was. Um, it was suggested to me to learn about contract law because that's where it's at. Everything is in commerce with contracts, you know? So anyway, um, I looked and looked for the, for the, uh, the answer. I, I didn't want to play in the courts. I, I, I didn't want anything to do with the courts. And uh, so I came across um, an, an administrative uh, remedy, uh, cognitive at uh, common law. Uh, I was directed to the Federal Arbitration Act of 1925. And I saw that as an opening to stay out of the courts. I mean, heck, the co- it was pointed out to me that corporations, they use arbitration clause in a lot of their uh, business transactions. Sure, they do. In fact, I had a young person tell me when I brought it up to them uh, uh, that they said, "Well, you you even have to sign an arbitration clause to get employment anymore, because if there's a dispute, um, they don't want to have to go into the court." Sure. And this is one way to um, lighten up the weight in the court. Well, that's you know? what the arbitration so thing was really. The arbitration thing really came into more limelight in the last 20, 30 years. And you have to be a special arbitrator and, and and to arbitrate these cases and that kind of stuff. I didn't know there was a law back in the 20s, but that doesn't, I'm sure there is, you know. But, yeah, they're trying to lighten the load on the courts without having to take it to court. They settle this but with an arbitrator before they get to that stage. It's got good reason behind it. Uh huh. Well, there. What I discovered uh, was that there are uh, two venues. I think I might say two venues for uh, using arbitration. Uh, one is state arbitration, but being as uh, that's um, pretty, it's not. Uh, it, it's it, the federal t- trumps the state arbitration. Well, I wasn't aiming to uh, look into more of the state. I wanted to go to the one that I felt was going to really um, uh, turn some heads, get some attention. And so um, in contract law, there uh, are you or your listeners perhaps um, 
uh, d- dove into uh, a conditional acceptance offer, uh, mm. uh, a unilateral contract. Yes. Like a, uh, we haven't so, received your tax um, reform, your returns for the year 2019-2020. If you've already turned those in, disregard this notice. If not, you might be able asked to come in and bring your books and records like that kind of a contract. Um, no, I'm, I'm thinking about directing the option of using federal arbitration under the Federal Arbitration Act of 1925 okay. that um, because there is uh, a relationship, a nexus relationship with people and the uh, so-called uh, judicial system and that it's recognized that uh, jurisdiction can be challenged at any time that the courts be offered a conditional acceptance contract um, uh, uh, challenging or yeah challenging jurisdiction as the first thing you know where they're jurisdictional you know where the jurisdictional hold on mama you know where the jurisdictional statement is in every federal charge that they send against you you can challenge it till the cows come home but most people don't because they don't see it. Mama G, a resident of yada, yada, yada. It's in the first paragraph of every federal charge they bring against you. See, you don't challenge it in the court. You challenge it with the Secretary of State. Then you win every time. Well, uh, the way the way I was looking at it was in the challenge is that um, expressing uh, to uh, the, uh, the parties that there seems to be some confusion that in my opinion someone's trying to simulate a lawful process yeah. and uh, but you see, they, but the underlying thing here is they've already got you in a contract that you agreed to every time they ever ask you. Well, the, okay. Yes, I, I hear what you're saying. However, the contract that I was looking at um, in the challenge of jurisdiction um, goes into... Being this is a um, unilateral contract, you know they set the terms and conditions, but it wasn't. It wasn't. A, but it wasn't, saying, Mama. These are my terms. It I'm wasn't. It, it, terms. I'll accept your conditions, uh, whatever it might be that they're trying to, you know, hit you with. That I accept your conditions upon proof of claim. And then lay out your proofs of claim, whereby you're making this way. You're making this. You're making it way too complicated. What? File an affidavit with the Secretary of State and present that to them. There ain't no claims. That, but that's taken. Um, to me, that would be taking someone back into a state level, where I'm trying to stay out of the courts. I'm trying to. Uh, um, uh, challenge that they have any uh, jurisdiction 
and so forth and so on. I'm not saying that they're wrong, which keeps me in honor. I'm saying that I'll agree to this. That's what conditional acceptance is. I'll agree to this if you can prove to me and then lay out those proofs of claim in such a way that they'll be hanged themselves if they were to answer that claim. Why do you want to go through all that when you can file an affidavit with somebody that can't rebut it that overrides everything that you're talking about and give that to them? Isn't that easier? Well, to me, that would take it into uh, out of what the whole objective of a Federal Arbitration Act is. It's common law. It's like, you know, it's like on the private side. There is, according to to Erie Railroads v. Tompkins, there is no more federal common law. Well, that's the thing. When I heard about the Federal Arbitration Act of 1925 and that it's recognized uh, with corporations to use arbitration, and, you know, so in all fairness, I'm using arbitration as a common law remedy outside of the court, outside of all but, those public venues. I'm bringing it home to a, uh, well, here's the other thing. With the contract, there would be inserted at the, uh, at the end with the caveat, uh, an arbitration clause. And the arbitration clause can be mentioned in the caveat that um, if the parties or the respondents um, are not, um, if they acquiesce, if they should acquiesce this uh, offer, this contractual offer, within so many days, um, you know, the notice of default and all that, um, then the then I would be able to have, uh, they've waived all their rights, and that I would have the opportunity to choose the arbitrator. And by the way, an arbitrator can be anyone. Under the Ar- Federal Arbitration Act, there is, uh, and the courts have said basically the same thing, uh, there, anyone can be an arbitrator. There are, the qualifications for an arbitrator could be anyone. A person in good standing, a, a person uh, that's state, you know, fair, uh, I think, a person that's not going to come uh, under a, 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 a scrutiny uh, should they be challenged as to their um, um, qualifications to arbitrate. And once an arbitrator makes a judgment, it's like that. To me, I saw it as well, a ju- an arbitrator, then that's like judge, jury, and executioner all in one. If you agree that's to arbitration and the arbitrator makes a decision, it's binding. My and my understanding is that it's binding if you both agreed to it and he makes a decision. But I think, see here, see here, Mama. Let me see if I can explain this to you. My job is to make this as simple as possible so enough people can grasp it and maybe want to follow through. What you're introducing here to us is incredibly confusing and incredibly complex, and I don't see the necessity of it. I think our process and approach short sheets what you're talking about. Well, I think that the approach I was I'm bringing to the table is um, a compliment to the things that you have accomplished and suggest for uh, for the truth seekers. 
I think it's a compliment to it. It adds to it. Um, so, yeah. But the point is, you putting your affidavit in Secretary of State first but, see, to this, out of that system. This this runs an end run around everything you just laid out. Hey, Roger, I'll stop a common law remedy, real quick. A common law remedy, and we're trying to be self-governing and keep things simple. How do you? How again? How do you get a common law, a common law access through a federal system and and process when there is no federal common law? Because uh, there is an act by a Congress for this remedy. It's an opening to stay on the common law side using the Federal Arbitration Act. I don't want to use the Federal Arbitration Act. I want to tell the head guy that's got a decision over this scam that I ain't in a scam anymore and everything else falls to the wayside. I'm trying to get people to do this. This is. The way the contract could be written up could include all those things. In proof of claim, fraud, for instance, could be included. The fraud with the all the way up from the police departments to uh, the the court system, the judges, the way it's run, exposing it as as fraud in such a way that they can't deny. Well, that's what they the affidavit to, does. When, when they're not, however, excuse me, when they're not able to admit because it would mean hanging themselves. They have to breach the contract because they can't answer the proofs of claim. They could be proofs of claim, whatever you want to tell them, you know, or or say to them where you just kind of flip out, flip it around a little bit in the way the proof of claim is presented. And actually, you could make it easy and, you know, save them time by throwing in some court cases that would support. What you're saying, Let me tell you what. If I was to teach what you're, if I was to try and teach people, if I was trying to teach people what you're covering here, we wouldn't have anybody on this forum. Well, then Roger, I'm here. Roger, thank you for having Hello. Okay. Roger. Mike. Mike. Okay. Title 5, U.S. U.S. Code, at step 556D. When jurisdiction is challenged, the burden of proof is on the government. No sanctions can be imposed, assess proof of jurisdiction. The other case is Standard versus Olstein, 74 SCT 768. Once challenged, jurisdiction cannot be assumed. It must be proven to exist. I yield. Okay. There's your affidavit right there. Devin had a question. Devin. Hello, Roger. How's it going? Well, pretty good, I guess. Beautiful. I've um, been having a really interesting conversation with uh, someone that hopped into uh Marcus Telegram, and she presented some information, and that uh, we've been hashing back and forth on it. Um, I sent a quick summary to Marcus where I picked up on it, and she wanted me to share this with you. So let me just read this real quick. For instance, 
I didn't know the angle that free slaves were required to pick a state to swear allegiance to, while still being state citizens. After the 14th Amendment, this created the equivocation that state citizens are still under federal control. Pre-14th Amendment, though, state citizens were considered... Devin, hold on, hold on. Devin, read this a little slower, please, and talk right into the microphone. Could you start from the start? Something about what state do you have allegiance to, right? All right, well, let me ask you a question. Here's a good question for that question. What about somebody that's naturalized and goes through the process of being a federal citizen and then files an affidavit? And they're from outside the country. What state do they have allegiance to? Um, we're, uh, so w- what this relates to, um, it, it doesn't relate to that. But what it boils down to is, you know, we got other groups claiming state citizenship. Like we had that January 6th. You remember that? Yeah, somebody said they were a national. I think they um, said they're all state citizens. Right yes. Another show that gives a state citizen. Okay. Great. And then we had that kid who got shot up. Then we had what? Right. Your phone's cutting in and out. Yeah. How about now? I, well, I don't know. Talk a little bit. Let's see. All right. So basically what she's bringing to the counter here is that quote that the term state citizen still implies someone who's under federal jurisdiction is really what it well, boils down to. Find state citizen in the regulations and, and the statute somewhere. Right. She's, she said she couldn't find it. Yep. She said what? She couldn't find it, right? Right. There's no Well, no kidding. Think. See, there's the first problem right there is we're getting caught in the equivocation. They call us nationals. That's what's in the statutes. That's what's in the regulations. State citizen isn't in there. State national isn't in there. American national isn't in there. Are, is that what those are? Yes. But now we're talking about specific words, aren't we? Right. Hey, Roger, I got one for you. Well, hold on. Let's get finished with Devin here. So I explained that the state uh, citizen was the original. Um, I'll tell you where you can find it. You know where you can find it? You can find it all over the place in the old court cases. Yeah, the court cases and the old history books. You can find it in Justice Story's comments on the Constitution, commentaries on the Constitution. A state citizen, now this is before the 14th Amendment, and this is where all these things of not being specific come into play. Justice Story, a state citizen is ipso facto a citizen of the United States. What should he have said? A state citizen is ipso facto a citizen of the United States of America. But we didn't have a 14th Amendment and a differentiation when he wrote that. But there it is from one of the the celebrated justices in the history of the country's Supreme Court, Justice Story. Right. That's why I say, folks, using their words is the key to this. But we don't want to use their words. We want to use this word. follow the definitions 
So, Devin, what else about this gal's question? There's her first mistake is mislabeling what she's talking about. Well, um, the the key thing, that, and I let me make sure I'm making this clear, was there's a there's a wicket of the freed slaves, and that is they were required. Apparently, I haven't substantiated this, but they were required to pick a state to swear allegiance to. Well, they had to be a and resident of. That, hold it, hold it. Fourteenth Amendment and the state wherein you reside. Yes, yes. And and but this boils back to once again, you know, yeah, state citizen is not listed anywhere in the codes. Of course, it's not. Um, but um, you know, we got these people, uh, you know, swearing up and down state citizenship. Um, it's you know, it's it's possible this could be in uh, just you know thinking this could be an angle of where the federal government would be construing jurisdiction over state citizens. Not if you got that affidavit in there. Well, you're, you're a state citizen. You're a federal citizen. You're a state citizen if you reside. So if you're in a state and you're a state citizen, but you're actually a federal citizen because you're residing and federal law applies to you. As a resident. You know where the state is that uh, you reside in when you say you reside in this state? They never ask you what state, do they? They never say, are you a resident of Texas? They just say, are you a resident? I am Devin, a a resident of Washington, D.C., living up a citizen of Washington, D.C., residing in Michigan. Correct. Under the the laws and under federal laws of D.C. That's exactly what you're telling them when you answer that question. They don't ever say, are you a citizen of a state, though, do they? They just say, are you a resident? Have you noticed that? Okay, they don't have to know. They just know that we're a citizen of, of uh, D.C. They don't I'll, care I'll, where we uh, that's correct. Who was trying to say something there? Yeah, I think it was me, Roger. Okay, Danny, you're good okay, at coming in. in. The Tennessee Code is that it includes Washington, D.C. and the several territories in the United States, not any of the original states as we normally think of it. Yeah, they're all political. They made them all political subdivisions after the Civil War, folks. The the whole thing was to federalize everything. Yes. Hey, Roger, this is Nick uh, from Michigan. Hello, Nick. Hey, bud. Hey, uh, real quick, man. Um, Remember last week you were telling me to... uh, do the our declaration change it from affidavit to declaration for my Michigan State ID? Well, I didn't tell you to do that. I suggested well, it to you. Well, you recommended, so I, I was looking up on things for uh, like in case they say you can't apply this. So I was looking at their stuff. Okay, so this is really interesting, man. So, um, uh, on their thing it says that you know there's six different things you need to that you got to provide you know um 
proof of Social Security, blah, blah. And then, but under this one, it says proof of legal presence. Okay. Yeah, that's where they're, that's where, that's all this stuff. And it says that you can apply other documents. But then I looked under the, um, uh, the legal definition of under legal presence. It says means a citizen or a national of the United States. Right there, legal presence. So I think you got something there, like, and then under, uh, if you look under the one, uh, it says proof of Michigan residency. There's a thing that says other documents that you can provide. So I'm wondering if that could be, like, you might have hit something there, like, because now they're asking your legal presence. And you're saying, well, listen, you you apply that. Here's my legal presence. And here's my proof of residency is, uh, is, is, your, is your, your affidavit. No, you don't want to be a resident. You don't want to be a resident in any way, shape, or form. But they're asking you for your legal presence as you're applying for a state ID or a driver's license. Okay, well, you're just going to give them your address. Either a U.S. citizen or a national. Yeah. If I may. And then when you talk about proof of residency, you're not saying you're a resident. You're giving them your affidavit saying this is your proof of residency right here. You're telling them you're not a resident oh, under the 14th Amendment's definition. Right. Okay. Well, the, the our exit music is on in the background. Nick, get into this complex stuff. Try and get a little on a little earlier in the program, okay? Um. If you could, so uh, no, I was saying something to look into that. I, I just read it earlier today. I just, I just uh, was looking into it, you know. Yeah, well, it's funny. See, you could have read that six months ago and you'd never seen it, and that pops out like a neon sign. See, right? I you know that's what I'm getting at. Like, I'm like legal presence. What does that mean? So I looked it up, and that's it's right in the definition: U.S. citizen or national. Yep, it's weird. Yeah, notice they didn't say U.S. citizen or state citizen. They said national. Right. National. Okay, I think we're off here. Hold on a second. Yeah, I guess where I need to get off here. Bye-bye.